Hello and welcome back to the TwinCast. Today we'll be discussing the prequel trilogy of Star Wars in anticipation for next week's finale where we break down the original series. Oliver, instead of breaking down each individual movie, we're going to break down plot elements from all of the films, what we liked about all of them, what we didn't like a lot about them, and our final grades instead of talking about each film individually. Oliver, what do you think, today, these are the topics we're discussing. Jar Jar Binks, the bad acting, lightsaber battles, and all other topics covered within the prequel trilogy. Which one do you want to start off with today? I think we should start off with um, the acting and the dialogue. Oh. Because that's the easiest thing to watch. Yeah. George Lucas is an ideas man, as he is known. He's created some great franchises through ideas. He had an idea for Indiana Jones and Star Wars. He is not a script writer. The way he crafts dialogue is so incoherently terrible, and nothing he writes makes sense, which, is, which really puts a damper on these great ideas that he has for all of his films. And Oliver, is gonna br- Oliver, why don't you break down the problems with the acting and dialogue? Well, first of all, um, the writing is extremely... There's just something off about him. And one thing with um, the prequel trilogy of Star Wars is that George Lucas, for some reason, he really likes to write a lot of dialogue. Like there are these long drawn out scenes with um, two characters who just talk the whole time. Mm -hmm. And not only is like the dialogue really awkward, but the scenes that they are presented in are Mm -hmm. incredibly long. So we get this like this extremely boring these extremely boring scenes with two characters who are just talking to each other about things that don't really relate to the plot or they do, but the execution isn't delivered properly. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of weird because George Lucas, like he shoved in the thing that he's the worst at, essentially. Yeah. Well, cause he didn't have Lawrence Kasdan who's arguably one of the greatest writers for all blockbusters as he written Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope. And I also believe he wrote, two of the Indiana Jones films, the good ones at least, George Lucas cannot construct scripts properly because what he does is he provides exposition-heavy scenes that are so boring, it bogs down the whole film when there's actually plot elements that are going to work. His ideas are there, but the execution is so poorly handled that he is unable to write anything but cliches and contrived dialogue that bogs down the story and makes the movie's almost unwatchable in certain scenes, especially in the one, Attack of the Clones. This is the worst film Star Wars has ever produced, in my opinion. The acting is terrible, action looks so bad, and they have one of some of the worst plot lines in any Star Wars film because of this long drawn out romance with Anakin and Padme that has no substance there. Hayden Christensen gives a terrible performance. And I don't wanna like, you know, say he's a bad actor because I haven't seen him in anything else, but he's a terrible actor in these films. The acting is so yeah. bad and so, so poorly executed that having his performance coupled with the terrible dialogue, you just get a catch-22 in film writing. Oliver, I, just a little bit more. Yeah, I completely, I completely agree with you. The dialogue is natural, and it's, you could tell that it's just there to serve the singular purpose. Mm-hmm. of like you said providing exposition which is a huge problem because all of the dialogue comes out like a textbook it's almost like textbook dialogue like oh shoot um these people are being attacked we have to go there right now yeah. and um i love you very much like it's all cliched textbook dialogue 
Yeah, and the only film that one and two have some of the worst dialogue. Three improves on it a little bit, I feel. He, he, George Lucas is able to execute a lot better than the first two films, but still, it is not. it was not a good showing for George Lucas, and it really made the audience unhappy with the quality of the film. And Oliver, what, why don't you help us break down, who do you think gave the worst performance in these films? I mean, it's very hard to tell because most, most of them give equally terrible performances. Cool. Yeah. I would have to go with Hayden Christensen. That sounds like yeah. a cliche answer, but that guy is terrible. He is such a bad actor. They've chosen the wrong guy to have this kind of, re- this kind of really dark arc. Instead of a redemptive arc, it's an d- arc of darkness. And because of that, they needed to have an actor with some screen presence and gravitas. But instead, they got some random guy off the street and put him in these films. And they ruined the film because of it. The only good actor throughout these throughout the three films is Ewan McGregor. He's the only saving yeah. grace in the acting category. He's a natural, charismatic guy who we can see as a young Obi Wan. But besides that, everyone else in the everyone else in this trilogy is terrible, absolutely garbage. Um, with the I think there's one exception to that besides Obi Wan, um, and that's um Ian McDermott. I th- oh yeah, I Ian McDermott gives a greatly villainous performance that everyone really enjoys and i think it really worked for the story mm-hmm. yeah why don't we talk about the most hated character in star wars oh jar jar binks. binks oliver give us a little insight on who jar jar binks is and then we'll deconstruct well essentially yeah essentially it's like some amphibious reptile or alien thing mm-hmm. um he he kind of slurs his speech and um instead of master or was it himself? I don't remember. Yeah, he would yeah. say Misa. Yeah, he would yeah. Misa. Mm-hmm. And it's out of place. Um, it's like if we put a gremlin as a villain in like an Indiana Jones, Jones movie. Film. Like that's just how out of place he is. Yeah. So the thing is, George Lucas, when we look at um, Return of the Jedi, I mean, I'm not too offended by the Ewoks. I think they're kind of stupid, but they're not terrible. But when I see Jar Jar Binks, he is the, one of the worst written characters I've ever seen put to a big budget film. The way he speaks, he's such an idiot. And to be honest, the only reason George Lucas probably put this thing in, this was the first time you could actually feel that Star Wars was trying to cater to children. Most of the other Star Wars movies, yes, they were for children as well as adults. But you really felt how childish and how dumb this movie felt because of all just kind of the lack of storytelling that they put in these films with Jar Jar Binks as this kind of exposition machine leading them throughout all these films. Oliver, what what are your thoughts on Jar Jar Binks' use as an exposition kind of mouthpiece? Well, I kind of agree. Like, he's a character you can't take seriously. Normally, when, um, when characters are exposition, they're either incredibly respected or extremely knowledgeable field yes. that they're like that they're giving exposition in. So a good example is um Adam from the James Bond movies. Yes. He's respected by pretty much every single um protagonist character. And we have a good understanding that he knows what he's doing. But with George or Binks, he's this kind of idiotic, <laughs> out of place silly character. 
who just really doesn't have much of a place in the Star Wars universe. And this is like the person we're getting our information from. Yeah. Because he, because he provides like this exposition throughout all the films. We really, we really just like don't learn anything from these films. They're all, he's so, so poorly written also by, um, what's his name? By George Lucas. George Lucas has decided to throw out any kind of logic in favor of having a comedic presence that doesn't work. The comedy is not layered and it makes no sense of why he was put in this film besides that George Lucas wanted to cater to kids. Yeah, and I, think, I completely agree with that. And I think the only other problem with Jar Jar Banks, my other big problem was that, oh my God, he's in the film for like an hour and a half. And he's in the first, he's in, um, what's it called? I can't even think. Um, episode Phantom. one, Phantom, Phantom Menace, for literally almost all of the film, besides like Duel of the Fates. It was so annoying that that guy was put in the whole film. And also the Gungans themselves are one of the worst written and worst like character design I've ever seen for any Star Wars character. They didn't have like a cool alien look. They just looked kind of dumb and like 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 we like lizards really. So I really did not like their character design, nor did I think they were good. Yeah, even a Mokbar, like the amphibious fish guy. Yeah. Even he had like a pathetic design, but at least he was important. Mm-hmm. And then and you could kind of feel his presence. I, um, just what are your general thoughts on the lightsaber battles? Because that's a contentious point for a lot of Star Wars fans. Yes, um, it's pretty, it's pretty like difficult to describe these battles because they're essentially these choreographed dances. Mm-hmm. There's not much like there's not much risk involved. Like you don't feel like any of the characters are really in danger. Mm-mm. except you know in revenge of the sith when obi-wan cuts anakin in half but like even before that they're basically like dancing like they're blocking every single hit nobody gets well they do get knocked down once but nobody is seriously injured no um like no character comes out at top it's essentially like an unstoppable object and in like we know an unstoppable object and an unmovable an unstoppable force and um unmovable object like there's there's a complete balance, yeah. and that's not really an interesting dynamic in sword fights or any fights in general. In all of the in the uh, original trilogy, all the films, we we felt there was choreography, but we also felt spontaneity. We were unsure about what was going to happen. Every scene, there was suspense. With each lightsaber battle, you felt like there was something really going on, and you were really feeling your heart race throughout these. When you watch these ones, these are like dance sequences. Each person is moving fluidly on wires. They're flipping like, also there's like a lot of flipping for some reason. A lot of people like jump in the air and do flips for no reason. Like there's really no point in flipping in the air besides it looks cool and it's like parkour and stuff. So people, what they, what George Lewis decided to do was to design these epic battles with no stakes because everything is hyper choreographed with the addition of like these unnecessary movements. I don't know why a Jedi would jump in the air and do two cartwheels in the air just so he could go like this and pull out his lightsaber. All he had to do was just lift the lightsaber and turn it on. There's no point for a guy to be flipping in the air. That was my biggest problem is that George Lucas choreographed these fights. That's a problem. But he added all these unnecessary moves. You don't need the guy to fly from like 
I will say this. I still do enjoy Revenge of the Sith's final battle on um, the lava planet. That was pretty cool. That's a pretty cool fight. Yeah. It has the iconic line and the meme, I have the high ground now. But besides that, these fights really lack in the, in the kind of suspense category, as well as they have not aged well because of the heavily... He- the heavy reliance on all of the heavy reliance of CGI on all of these films. Oliver, what I think yeah, thoughts? Yeah. there's one thing we should mention. Although there was a lot of um, CGI, and at that time it was groundbreaking, but it hasn't mm-hmm. aged well. There mm-hmm. were also a lot of um, practical effects that a lot That's of people true. don't touch on. Like there's that um, arena, that alien planet with the insects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was actually practical. So whenever they go with a practical approach, it actually looks quite good. Yeah. But when it's, like, incredibly CGI'd, you know, yeah. it looks really, Terrible. yeah, fake, I guess. Also, or not necessarily. Yeah. What I have to say, though, is that they underuse a lot of their really talented actors. That was also annoying. Like, Christopher Lee plays Count Dooku. That I kind of I dig Count Dooku. He's, like, this, like, posh English man with a really dark side to him. But, like, for some reason... In Attack of the Clones, they don't introduce him until hour into the film, which really slows and bogs down the pace because Count Dooku is an extremely interesting and, like, I really dig his character within all these films. And I also think that Samuel L. Jackson provides a nice screen presence in these films, but instead they don't use him and they make him look like an idiot throughout these films because they give him, like, nonsensical dialogue and he's like, oh... You know, a Jedi cannot become a Sith Lord. He literally says that during the film, which contradicts the prequel, which contradicts the original series because Darth Vader is a Jedi Master before he becomes Darth Vader. So there was just a lot of bad writing for characters by, who are played by really talented actors who I really enjoy, but they're all, they write them so poorly that we kind of are... We don't, like, even they can't even save this film because it's so bad. What were your thoughts on the underuse of Samuel L. Jackson and Christopher Lee? Yeah, I think that, like, um, that's why people like The Clone Wars so much. Mm -hmm. It's because they took all these great ideas from Lucas and then they kind of put them into this long-running animated show that didn't really waste any of its characters. So we really get to see, you know, Dooku as his methodical, as this methodical, super like intelligent planning villain and we see samuel jackson as this really proficient warrior yes but um, in the clone wars you know they have more time to develop all these ideas i think one problem um with the entire prequel trilogy is that george lucas had a massive amount of ambition yes and one thing is that you he couldn't put all of his ideas into three movies yes like, he had just so many ideas that it's so difficult for him to just pick which ones are the best and which ones he should incorporate more. So this, so the pacing gets kind of knocked out because his more boring ideas get more um, presence yeah. and his more interesting ideas get less. Yeah, but the television series, I think, is a really good bridge between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. You begin to understand each character's motivations and also you begin to understand each of the clone wars and, like, the inevitable order 66 which all ties together really well so i would recommend to any fans who have not seen it watch the clone wars rather than the prequels it's a lot deeper it's a lot more of a thinking man show 
and the use of animation is really cutting edge. It doesn't look great, but it's really strong. Each character is developed in a much greater light, as well as you get more Darth Maul, one of the best parts of any of the best parts of the prequels. Yeah, before they overexposed him. But. Yeah. So why don't you give us some positives? We really just can go negatives because these movies are practically are really terrible. But why don't you give us some positives? Yeah, um, I think we've already gone over a couple of them. For example, um, the practical effects mm -hmm. and the uh, overall ambition. But one like great thing that's often overlooked is just how um George Lucas kind of weaved each of the movies together. Mm -hmm. like they fit within they fit together really well they're like broken jigsaw pieces that yes. somehow still click together mm -hmm. um that's one of the biggest um criticisms oh. of the sequel trilogy with the yeah. disney stuff right um it's very disjointed and it's mm -hmm. not as continuous smooth as george lucas put together the prequels too many course corrections in the newer trilogy this one it's a fluid story. It reads like a tapestry. George Lucas, which was really smart, broke the films down into two, into one, two, and three acts. So you have act one, act two, and act three. And we see Anakin's rise and fall like a bell curve perfectly. And I thought that was a genius move on George Lucas's part. I think these movies could have been just as good as the prequels if he had gone, if he had tried to make up with Lawrence Kasdan who is such a talented screenwriter who could have really improved these films and made them a lot better. There are so many good ideas here that, which is kind of what the Clone Wars did. It took all the good ideas of these movies and executed them to a much higher level and to a lot greater scale. So I really, really enjoyed those films. I am not a fan of the, I'm not a fan of the prequels, but I mean, they're okay. The best one I would have to say is Revenge of the Sith. Oliver, I think Revenge of the Sith is the best one. It has the most emotion. It has a pretty cool lightsaber battle. It has some cool practical effects, but overall, it's still not a good movie, but I'm okay watching it as the previous two are just terrible films. Absolutely terrible. Yeah, what especially, what, especially with the dialogue. Oh my God. Um, yeah. yeah. We've already gone over that, but it's it's pretty bad, so we might have to do it again. Yeah, but yeah. the dialogue is cringeworthy at times, mm -hmm. like with the high ground line. That's just yeah, a I don't think there's line. much. That's yeah, it's terrible. Line. It's terrible, but it's terrible, it's but it's good. I mean, everyone quotes it. I mean, so I just think these films were misguided by George Lucas. He should have gotten another screenwriter someone who can help him with the dialogue and who can really improve um, every, all the pieces of these films. The ideas could have been executed to a much higher level if he had gotten a new writer to write all these films. I think that's the only way you can really solve any problems within um, these Star Wars films. Yes, I agree. The direction was pretty good. Yeah. It's just the pieces along the way didn't really work out. I'm going to give my final score right now. Okay. Um, Attack of the Clones and what's it called? Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace for me are both three out of 10. They're even worse than Rise of Skywalker, in my opinion. I would give Revenge of the Sith a five out of 10. It's an okay Star Wars movie. It's watchable. It's not a good movie, though. 
people see it as so much better than it is because it is because it is a lot better than the other films. Oliver, why don't you give us your final score before we head off for the films? For um for the first two, it's a it's a tied score too. I'd probably give them like a four. Okay. I'm not sure what I gave um Rise of Skywalker last time, but I definitely like those two more just okay. because there's more of a more of a direction. And um wow. for Revenge of the Sith, I'd probably give it like a like also a five. Because yeah. you could see, like, George Lucas kind of had a better idea of what he was dealing with. But it's still, like you said, not as great it's as... It's not executed it correctly. Is. It's not executed correctly. I mean, watch Empire Strikes Back. That's, that's the gold standard of any Star Wars movie right there. So I would have to agree. An overall very disappointing trilogy, which I don't think... They're not going to age as poorly as the new trilogy will, but... Oliver, I would like to thank you so much for being here. We'll be back next week with our final ranking of the Star Wars, ending our Star Wars ranking with the, with the New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and Return of Jedi. Thank you.